Auburn University is planning for the spring semester to be mostly in person. Professors who want to teach their classes online must first seek approval from their college's dean. However, the novel coronavirus has not gone anywhere. The state of Alabama is seeing daily positive case numbers rise to the same levels we had in mid-July. From the Auburn Plainsman, this is Sweet 1111. I'm Trice Brown. This week, I'll be talking with Collins Keith and Tim Nail about stories they wrote for last week's paper about issues professors are raising with the university's plan for next semester. Stay with us. Hey, my name is Jack West, and I'm the editor-in-chief of the Auburn Plainsman. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Sweet 1111. If you enjoy this podcast, want to support it, and want to advertise with us, this space right here is available. If you're interested, send an email to admanager at theplainsman.com, and we can get you all set up. Once again, that's admanager at theplainsman.com if you want to advertise with us. Thank you so much. Collins, how are you doing today? I'm good, Trice. How are you doing? Collins, why don't you just walk us through this timeline? I can do that, Trice. Well, we started in late September. Um, so there's a national organization called the American Association of University Professors mm-hmm. in Auburn as a chapter. And they sent out a call to faculty members um, across campus in late September uh, asking for their experiences related to spring 2021 plans, most importantly, changes in modality. Mm-hmm. Um, so the university sent out an email uh, about a week ago saying that they were going to try to hit 70% in-person classes face-to-face. And that's hard to do, to say the least. And so the Auburn chapter just wanted to hear feedback from the professors. And they did a lot of that, actually. Okay. After receiving this feedback and the concerns that kind of went with that, they drafted a document in mid-October outlining Mm -hmm. seven recommendations that they had to give to the university. And based on those recommendations, they had a meeting last week to kind of discuss those and determine a plan of action. And that's where we're at right now. Okay. So what were some of those self-reported experiences? Yeah. So one of the main ones was there was just no consistent format for requesting a change in modality. So, mm-hmm. And explain exactly what you mean by a change in modality. Yeah. So a modality is just a, a format of teaching a class, basically. So you have mm-hmm. face-to-face, you have a required face-to-face, flexible face-to-face. You can have kind of a blended or a high-flex model where you have some in-person instruction, some online instruction. Mm-hmm. And then you can have all online. You could have synchronous online or asynchronous online. There's kind of a pretty wide variety with that. But with most of these cases, faculty and professors are requesting to be online or to be kind of a you know on Zoom right. as the modality instead of face-to-face. And so the faculty that they received feedback from went across five colleges at, at Auburn, and it was determined by the Auburn chapter that there was no real consistent method for requesting a change in modality. In one college, you might have to you know, submit that request and change in modality directly to your dean, and others, you would have to go through an associate dean who would then make a decision, and based on that decision, would or would not recommend it to the dean. And then at least in, in, in one college, there was no other choice than in-person instruction for um, 
contingent faculties for part-time faculty. Mm. Um, so there's just no real set guidelines given by the university. You know, you're talking about how there's all these different processes that different colleges have to go through. Mm-hmm. But what exactly happens once that request for a different modality, like an online modality, actually makes it to the dean, like, and it's rejected? Mm-hmm. Not much. As of right now, there the Auburn chapter said that it is unknown whether there is any way for professors whose request is denied by the dean or by their college crew to appeal that denial. So as of right now, it's kind of what the dean says. It's up to the dean. There's no way. There's no university-wide process. There's no college-wide process to appeal that decision. Okay. So what other kind of concerns did they raise? So based on the feedback that they got, And along with that, they got some concerns as well, but the Auburn chapter outlined some of the main concerns that they have. So a lot Mm -hmm. of it is reflected in the feedback that they gained. One of the, one of the main ones was that some professors in in certain fields feel that the regulations that have to be put in place due to COVID, like social distancing and mask wearing and limiting capacity, make Mm -hmm. teaching, quote, difficult, if not impossible in Mm -hmm. their particular field. And in those cases, those professors would recommend to be entirely online. Another concern that they talked about is the potential breach in health confidentiality um, mm-hmm. of in health information of the professors. For example, if, if a professor went to request a change in modality to an online format due to them being in an at-risk position, they would be likely to have to prove that, uh, to prove mm-hmm. that they are at risk with health information or, or, or anything like that. And so a concern that the Auburn chapter has is that in providing that information, you're kind of, you're breaching health confidentiality, and they're concerned that the information that they gained, that the colleges gained, the dean gained, could influence future promotions or the discussion of tenure um, Mm -hmm. unconsciously uh, or however, but that there is a real breach in health confidentiality. So what exactly are the recommendations that they have? So there's seven of them, and they're all based on the feedback and um, concerns gathered in this document. And so... Mm -hmm. The seven recommendations really just kind of summarize the concerns and the questions that the faculty have and and address things that they feel the university is not doing correctly. And so I'll quickly highlight those seven concerns. Um, The first one is that the Auburn chapter of the AAUP feel that faculty should have the ability to determine the teaching modality that best suits them. That's pretty straightforward. They feel like mm-hmm. they should have that decision and should not have to go through a request for a change in modality or you know, even have to deal with the appeals process. The second recommendation is if that prior recommendation cannot be met, decisions concerning a, a blanket move to face-to-face like issued by the university and trying to hit 70% face-to-face should be decided by a vote by the university faculty, again, having a say. Mm. A third recommendation is setting clear standards for teaching exemptions and that this, this rubric for the teaching exemptions requesting a change in course modality should be provided to all faculty prior to any request. Um, And that's just kind of referring to the lack of a clear method for requesting a change in course modality. Um, There are differing methods by college. There is not a university-wide process for that. The fourth recommendation deals with that appeals process that is seemingly non-existent right now, Mm -hmm. and that they would want to see a university-level appeals process to go with that university-level request for a modality change process. Um, And that appeals process should be put in place either in conjunction with faculty or with clear Mm -hmm. communication with the faculty on that matter. So you just talked about the discrepancies that the uh, Auburn chapter of the AUP found. Mm -hmm. Is there any other discrepancies that they found in their data? 
Yeah, so another discrepancy they found was just that there was no consistent guidance given to faculty across all the activities that faculty are involved. So, you know, researching, teaching, outreach-related travel, um, there is no consistent health guidance given to faculty. It kind of differed depending on that position. And that's actually what the fifth recommendation is about. Right. Um, and that the faculty would want to have consistent guidance over those over those things, not contradictory. The sixth recommendation just deals with that in denying um, a lot of requests for changes in modality, um, the colleges and universities did not give reasons for why those requests were denied. In many cases, faculty who uh, requested a change in modality felt that they were doing so for legitimate reasons, as in they were at risk. They were the primary provider for someone in their family who's at risk. There was no feedback given. There was no reason given in a lot of these cases, um, the Auburn chapter felt. And they would, their sixth recommendation asks for the university to be required to provide the reasoning behind the denials and the number of these requests that have been approved or denied. Um, as of right now, there's no real idea on how many on how many professors are being denied these requests for changes, on how many are being approved. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially since the methods differ between colleges, it's all very isolated. There's no real university-wide process. Right. And the seventh recommendation, the final recommendation, just deals with the lack of representation that the Auburn faculty feel that they that they have, that they don't have. Mm-hmm. So the university, Auburn, has a COVID operations committee, and out of 33 members on that committee, there's only two that are faculty. And so it's, it's pretty clear that that's a pretty low ratio, less than 10% mm-hmm. of the people on that board are faculty. And so it, the Auburn chapter feels that it dilutes their voice um, and that doesn't, that doesn't give them a real say in, in what's being discussed. And so the seventh recommendation states that the university should have 50% faculty representation or an equal proportion of faculty to members of any committee related to teaching or research. Mm, okay. Well, thank you, Collins. You're welcome, Trice. It's been, a, it's been an honor. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Natalie Beckrank, Managing Editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone, if you'd like to support Sweet 1111 and the newsroom that creates it, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 125 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. So, Jim, how are you? Good. How about yourself? I'm, I'm doing good. I am doing good. So I understand there was a special meeting on Tuesday, November 10th for the Faculty Senate Executive Committee. Yes. Awesome. So uh, could you kind of run through with us what happened? Yeah, of course. So uh, a lot of professors and faculty have just been frustrated with the university's approach toward the COVID-19 pandemic uh, Mm -hmm. this semester. And recently, the university announced that uh, it plans to have over 70% of its classes in person in the spring, which a lot of faculty were unprepared for. And so uh, at least 50 faculty members uh, signed a petition uh, to the Faculty Senate Exec Committee uh, asking that there be a special meeting where all these faculty could kind of share their concerns, things that they wanted to have the administration hear. Uh, just kind of talk uh, for a little while <laughs> okay. um, on how they uh, want the university to actually approach spring. Uh, a lot of this meeting was based off of uh, some recommendations. The uh, Auburn chapter of the American Association of University Professors had some guidelines that they sent out. And so over 400 faculty uh, joined this Zoom call uh, to talk for around two hours just on uh, 
their concerns again and just advice that they had or like questions that they had for the university that they just felt had not been addressed yet. So there were no uh, members of the administration at this meeting. They mm-hmm. were at a um, award ceremony uh, that they said uh, caused like scheduling conflicts. So they had to be at that instead mm-hmm. of uh, this meeting. So they they would have normally been at that meeting, but... I believe so, yes. Okay. Uh, so what were some of the risks that faculty were worried about? So I think one of the first things that was brought up was just the 50% room occupancy limit that the university has tried to impose as part of its healthier U guidelines that mm-hmm. were welcomed in this semester. Of course, with 70% of classes aimed to be in person, there are uh, you know, a number of classes that would be in lecture halls that would have several hundred students participating in those. And mm-hmm. so professors were concerned about like classes that have stationary seats and chairs, how, you know, those would be distanced. And right. with that occupancy limit, how they would, you know, even be able to schedule uh, students to come into class. Because some professors were worried that uh, they would have to split their classes into two. So half the class would have to come like say Monday and then half would come on Wednesday. Especially with like students going in and out of these classes as well, I think that was also a concern that had been mentioned. Uh, one other thing was that there are a lot of untenured faculty who felt they just didn't really have a voice, and so there was a tenured faculty member present at the meeting. Her name is Lindsay Tan, uh, and she's in the design program. She's the coordinator of the interior design program. Okay, and uh, she just said that like a lot of her program was on tenured faculty as well as graduate students who are leading some of the classes. And it's just been very hard on them uh, having to teach in person, especially those that have uh, immunocompromised family or they're immunocompromised themselves. And one of her determinations as the uh, coordinator of her program is just, you know, figuring out like who uh, teaches classes in person and who teaches online. And, you know, she just felt like that was really unfair. Uh, it, for like, you know, certain members, again, that had health safety concerns. Mm. One thing that was mentioned in regards to all just like in-person classes uh, at this part of the meeting was the potential uh, to, you know, to test positive for uh, COVID as a result of being in class. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the chair of the uh, university senate, the Auburn University Senate, which is separate from the faculty senate exec committee, his name's Don Mulvaney. He said he had spoken with Dr. Cam, Dr. Fred Cam of the University Medical Clinic. Right. And they believe, or at least the university believes as a whole, that, or the administration believes, that they have had no cases traced of exposure in a classroom. But um, several professors disputed that. One professor said he was aware of uh, a class where eight people tested positive. And they believe it was all linked to this one class because they were all in the same class together. And he found it, quote, disingenuous that the university claimed that, you know, no one is uh, tested positive because they've taken in-person classes. Mm, Okay. So how do professors feel about how the university is handling mask mandates? So they're just professors in general uh, just don't feel the university has approached uh, mandating masks on campus that well. Of course, at the start of the semester, masks were required to be worn inside and outside. Mm-hmm. And several weeks ago, the university rescinded that policy. Um, mm-hmm. But For uh, outside? Yes, for okay. outside. You still are required to wear masks inside. Right. Uh, and there are signs on most buildings noting that. 
Lindsay Tan, the same professor who spoke up about the untenured faculty, she uh, was just very frustrated with how the universities approached masks as an R1 Carnegie Research Institution, which is the highest level of research a university can attain in that uh, ranking. She mentioned the fact that face shields, are, as opposed to face masks, face shields are not very effective in blocking the spread of COVID-19. And in my own research, I found that the Centers for Disease Control Prevention do not recommend wearing face shields as mm -hmm. a method of pre preventing COVID exposure or spread in the classroom. Um, there was also a virologist present in the meeting uh, who is a professor of biological sciences at Auburn. And she sort of noted the same thing about uh, the Carnegie uh, ranking. But she said, you know, in her own experience, she's seen a lot of students wear, that, that aren't wearing masks, um, you know, despite the guidelines when they're inside buildings. And, mm. you know, she was just frustrated that the university has not found a way to really approach that. So what are some of the drawbacks that Professor said about teaching in person that weren't necessarily health related? Okay, well, well uh, as I noted earlier, um, scheduling is just a big issue uh, with in-person classes. You know, mm -hmm. when you do all virtual, everybody can come to class regardless of where they are. But with in-person, you know, there's always that health risk. And because of just general safety guidelines like social distancing, staying six feet apart, professors are concerned that with their classes in like, certain rooms that fit exactly the number of students that are in that class, you know, mm -hmm. they would have to... Uh, comply by that room occupancy limit. So one professor said that he teaches lab classes as a uh, supply chain management professor. And uh, he has classes that have like exactly 30 students and exactly 30 seats. So he discussed potentially, you know, his only option would be to have half the class come on one day and then half come on the, you know, a mm -hmm. separate day of the week. So that, that was uh, an issue again with the room uh, occupancy rule. Um, mm. Another professor kind of discussed as an education professor weighing the balance of, you know, unnecessary versus necessary risks. And so what he saw is like a necessary risk would be, say, like a student teacher internship where, you know, you have to go out and sort of like teach a class to develop your education background. But an unnecessary risk would be like service learning. Um, he really just kind of said that the university is trying to, quote, minimize risk, but he thinks the best way to minimize risk is just by having everyone on Zoom. So I think he was a proponent of going fully online for next semester. Mm, okay. So what are their thoughts on how the university has approached COVID testing so, so far? So I think a lot of faculty based off uh, Sentinel testing and the reentry testing that was required of students, faculty, and staff at the mm -hmm. beginning of the semester, I think they're very doubtful of some of that data. I think they, the AAUP chapter uh, noted mm -hmm. that in some of their recommendations. But as far as this meeting of the faculty senate exec committee, professors uh, just kind of like wondered how testing is going to carry into the spring semester. Now, uh, you know, reiterating on that uh, reentry testing uh, that was done in August, as far as the faculty know, there will actually be no reentry testing for students returning in January, despite there being a almost month-long break um, once students leave for Thanksgiving. Mm. The virologist, as well as the professor in the meeting, said she believes Auburn's level of testing is just inadequate. Um, and she, you know, proposed, you know, everyone should be tested at least twice a week. You know, as it stands right now, the people are just randomly chosen by Sentinel testing. According to uh, one article the university put out where they interviewed the associate dean of clinical affairs for the school of pharmacy, the Auburn's target goal for uh, Sentinel testing is between 800 and 1,000 people each week. And... 
actually the the most cell tests that have been conducted in one week uh, is 627. And that's the most recent data from the week ending November 8th. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, Jim. Thank you. You did, you. Really good, you did a really good job on this. Thank you. From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Sweet 1111. I'm Trice Brown, signing off. See you next week. Thank you.